Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. This program, we allow you to call in, and basically, if you want to, you can try to dispute what I'm trying to say from the Bible. As I mentioned a week or two ago, if you can prove that what I'm saying is incorrect by, by the Scriptures, you're going to be my very best friend, because we here, we only want the truth, because only the truth will set us free from sin. We're going to try to preach the truth as we know it. If you can prove us wrong, we're going to be happy for that. But we have to understand that the Bible is what settles all religious questions. It's not going to be a matter of what you think or what I think or the way you'd want it to be or the way I'd want it to be. It's got to be what the Bible says. That's got to be what settles these questions that we talk about on this program. That's got to be it. Phil from Michigan, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. Last weekend, last Sunday, you were talking with our friend Anton. He was debating you about children being born with a sin nature. And you uh, you told him that children are too innocent to have a sin nature. And you specifically said a six-year-old is too young to have a sin nature. And I've had a real problem with that because... I know quite a few six-year-olds that are that are just downright mean, and in fact, I know quite a few two-year-olds that that are pretty mean. And I've never heard parents trying to teach their children to be mean. It's always the opposite. So my my question is, realistically, how young is a child? How how old is a child? that is still innocent because I, I know it can't be two years old and I know it can't be six. So Phil, what would it be? I may have said it wrong. We do. People do have a, we might call it, uh, uh, we are, people are depraved. They sin. The question is, do they inherit that? That's the question. Do they inherit sin from Adam or not. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.29 that God hath made man upright. Now, when a little child acts mean, that's because he's learned it from his environment. Now, the parents might not have intentionally taught him that, but kids learn more from example than they do from verbal teaching. And so, if they see me treating my wife in a mean way, then they're going to be mean even though I don't intend for them to be mean. So children are not born so that they can't, they don't have a choice. That they, that's what the Calvinist position is. They don't have a choice. They can't help but be mean. No, God hath made man upright. That's what God said about it, Phil. And it doesn't matter what we think or what we think we observe. God hath made man upright, referring to mankind, Ecclesiastes 7.29. So they're not born that way. They learn that from their environment. Matthew from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Matthew, you on the air? Well, I don't know if we lost Matthew or what, but we'll we'll get back to him if he calls back. I wanted to mention something again that I've been mentioning for about three weeks. And that is, um, uh, I started about three weeks offering a phone Bible study. Now, I do a good number of home Bible studies right here in my area to people who want to study the Bible with me for one hour is how long a study lasts. 
I do quite a number of them around here that I can drive to, but most of the people listening to this program, this is a national program, even into Canada. You're too far away for me to do that. So I thought, well, we could study the Bible by phone. And the way that works, if you have email, I can send you an outline ahead of time. And then we can agree upon a time that we'll study the Bible by phone. We'll look at the verses in that outline. And uh, if you would like a phone Bible study, then go ahead and call the number that I normally announce for people to get on the air. That's 877-655-6755. Now, my DJ friend Ed Vargas will then, he'll answer the call. He'll take your name and number, and then he'll give it to me later so that I can call you and we can arrange to have that Bible study. Uh, since I've been advertising this about three weeks ago, I've got almost ten peoples that I'm doing phone regular phone Bible studies with. And so it could be that you're interested in having a Bible study over the phone. Of course, it's free of charge. I mean, what do you have to lose? It's over the phone. We'll study the Bible uh, over the phone. We'll, we'll, I'll send you an email ahead of time if you have an email. Call at 877-655-6755 and give Ed your first name and your phone number. And by the way, also call that number if you have a Bible question or comment. If you want to go on the air, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Or if you want to reach me for any reason, if you want to do a Bible correspondence course or you want to send me an email or sign up for that free Bible study, phone Bible study, you can also go to the website, BibleCrossFire.com. That's BibleCrossFire.com. So if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open right now. The number to call is 877-655-6755. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the change from the Old Testament law to the New Testament law. After all, Hebrews seven twelve says, For the priesthood being changed, there is made a necessity a change also of the law. So the law has changed. When you change your oil... You don't keep using that old oil in the same way. It served its purpose. You discard it. You start using the new oil. No oil. So in the same way there's been a change in the law, Hebrews 7.12, the Old Testament law served its useful purpose. And now we're under the New Testament law. We can see that from a passage like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. I'm turning to Ephesians 2.15. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there too. It's talking about Jesus, and it says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And so this talking about Jesus, it says he abolished in his flesh, that mean, would mean in his death, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So the Old Testament law has been abolished. That means we're no longer under it anymore. We're not bound to keep the laws of the Old Testament anymore, like animal sacrifices, circumcision, the Sabbath. Now, my, my analogy about the oil breaks down in this respect. We don't throw away or discard the Old Testament. It's inspired of God. We keep studying the Old Testament, not because it's our law for today, but because it helps us understand the New Testament, which is our law for today. The New Testament constantly quotes or refers to the Old Testament. So if we don't understand the Old Testament as well as we could, then we're not going to understand the New Testament as well as we could. And we want to understand the New Testament the best we can because that's our law for today. If we want to find out 
what a person has to do to be saved or how God would have us to worship him or what he wants us to, how he wants us to live in our everyday life, we're going to turn to the New Testament, not the Old Testament. The New Testament gives us the answer for those questions today. And we see that from a passage like Ephesians 2.15. Jason from Canada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Quick question for you. Um, why is it that in different versions of the Bible, such as you've got the King James Bible and then you have the other versions like the NIV, the, uh, oh shoot, all sorts of different ones, right? Um, why is it that in the other translations, except for in the King James, why are there different verses missing? Okay. There's a whole kind of study, Jason, called textual criticism. When we have the Bible, when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, for example, we don't have what's called the autograph copy. We don't have his original letter to the Ephesians. Somehow that's been destroyed. But what we have is we had all kinds of scribes and religious people down through the centuries copying like copying the New Testament, the Old Testament. For example, they made copies by hand of the book of Ephesians. Now, they didn't have Xerox machines, so they had to copy it by hand. And, Jason, if you're copying, say, a book of Ephesians is six chapters long, if you're copying that by hand, you might make one or two accidental mistakes when you're doing that. You think? Okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I've just noticed in the King James Version, Bible, like the King James Bible will go, like marriage is between a man and a woman, right? And then you'll look and, and the other, other ones and it'll say a marriage is between one man and one woman. It's like they had to make it more specific, you know what I mean? Well, well, or, well some of that has to do with there's a difference in the way the translators decided to translate the Greek. But the reason there's some verses missing, like, for example, if you were looking at the... Uh, old American Standard Version, it would not have Acts 8.37 because the way they try to determine what the correct text is, they have all these copies of the book of Acts. These are handmade copies. There's some mistakes. And so they examine all those copies and sometimes there's disagreement. Very rarely, like one out of every 1,000 verses of whether a, a verse is legitimate. And the people who did the American Standard Version did not think Acts 8.37 ought to be in the Bible. The ones who did the King James Version, they looked at all the manuscripts and they thought that it should be in the Bible. But some of the things okay. like you're talking about, where there, it's not a verse missing, it's just the difference in the way they translated. You follow me, yeah. Jason? Yeah, I do. I totally get that. Um, oh, shoot, I had another thing to ask, but I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for your call, Jason. Key from Texas. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, brother. I appreciate you taking my call, and I appreciate your show. I just had a, a question for you. You were talking about uh, the doing away of the law when Christ went to the cross. And Jesus also said, though, that there wouldn't be a dot until all things were accomplished. And could you explain that for me a little more, please? Yeah, that's over in Matthew five seventeen and 18, I believe you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Let's look at that. Jesus said in Matthew five seventeen and 18, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Now this is saying really the same thing as what we read in Ephesians 2, Key, because he says, 
in verse 18, one jot, I think this is what you're referring to, or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Well, he had just got through saying in verse 17 that he had come to fulfill it. And so mm-hmm. if Jesus if Jesus did accomplish what he said he came to do, and that is to fulfill the old law, then that would mean he did fulfill it. And so verse 18 then would mean that it was it would pass because it said he, he said it would not pass until it was fulfilled. Well, he fulfilled it, so it did pass. Okay. And that agrees, if you think about it, with Colossians 2, verse 14. That verse, talking about Jesus, says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So Jesus uh-huh. blotted out these ordinances. He took them out of the way. He nailed them to the cross. He took them out of the way. They ceased being binding when he died on the cross. Does that make sense, Key? Very good. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, Key, we appreciate you calling. Do you have any other uh, follow-ups? Uh, no, sir. That's good. You answered my question. Thank you. You're not interested in my uh, phone Bible study, are you, Key? Oh, no, no. I uh, Bible study on my own, and, and I'm good with that. I appreciate the offer, though, and I hope a lot of people take you up on it. Thank you for your call, Key. Thank you. Good night. Night. So let me repeat the offer. If you're out there and you would like to study the Bible with me by the phone, a one-hour Bible study, perhaps once a week by phone, then you can call Ed and leave him your first name and phone number, just the number that I'm asking you to call to get on the program, same number, 877-655-6755, 877-655-6755. When you call Ed, you can just tell him you're not really wanting to get on the air, but you're wanting to sign up for the free phone Bible study, and he'll save off your first name and your phone number and get that to me later so that I can contact you about when would be a good time to have the phone Bible study. But if you want to get on the air right now, the lines are wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. Another passage that helps us to see that we're not under the Old Testament law anymore is Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. Galatians 3.19 says, Wherefore then serveth the law? In other words, what was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. And so this is saying that the law was added till the seed should come. Well, verse 16 helps us to see that the seed in this context is Christ. So the law was added till the seed should come, till Christ came, He did come, and so that would say the same thing as Colossians 2.14 and Ephesians 2.15, that once Christ came, that the law was no longer in force. And we see the same thing in Galatians 3.24 and 25. It says, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Now, verse 25 says, We're no longer under the schoolmaster. But verse 24 identifies for us what the schoolmaster was. It says the law was our schoolmaster. So that would mean we're no longer under the law. Now, answer this question. If we're no longer under the law, does that mean we still have to keep the law or that we don't have to keep the law? Obviously, we don't. We're no longer under the law. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 and 25 also makes it clear 
that we're not under the Old Testament law. Instead, we're all under the law of Christ. That's the law we need to turn to to find out what a person has to do to be saved, how God wants us to live, how God wants us to worship him, the New Testament law, the law of Christ instead of the law of Moses. Juan from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, I got a uh, comment, and I would like to uh, put my interest in. And the Bible clearly explains us that we cannot change the Word of God. It, it says this in Revelation, the last chapter, verse 19, and also tell us in the Deuteronomy, chapter 4, that we cannot take or add anything. If you go to different pro, uh, translations, when Jesus was talking to the disciples about fasting and prayer, it, some of the other scriptures don't have it. What do you think? You talking about First Corinthians seven, chapter seven, verse five? No, no. In First Corinthians, Corinthians seven, verse five, it does talk about. Fasting and prayer, and the newer translations leave off fasting. Right now, I don't think I've uh, studied that enough to know if that fasting should be there. But uh, suffice it well, to say that we have a reliable Word of God. Mark from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. My question is, thanks for taking my call, but my question is, when I pray, should I be praying to God the Father or to Jesus the Son? Or is there a difference? You know, the Bible says the way to the Father is through the Son. But when I pray, I, I often ask myself, should I be praying to God or should I be praying to Jesus, my Lord and Savior? Well, myself, Mark, I think that we should pray to the Father. That's what I do. You remember what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. This is a, uh -huh. not a prayer that Jesus was praying, but he was giving the apostles, the disciples, an example of how to pray. And he said in Matthew 6, verse 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye our Father which art in heaven. So the example prayer that Jesus gives us is praying to the Father. So I always pray to the Father. Does that answer your question, Mark? Yes, sir. I just didn't know if is it, is it wrong to pray to Jesus our Lord, or should I always be praying to God the Father? Mm-hmm. Mark, would you be inter interested in signing up for the phone phone Bible study? Well, I, I work so many jobs, I don't know that when I'd be free. Yeah, okay. Thank you for your call, Mark. Thank you. Bye. And so we were, in, we were in Galatians, and we were talking about how the Old Testament law is no longer binding. We see the same thing in Galatians 5, 2 through 4. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now this verse shows us how serious this issue is. That if we try to be justified by the law, and what they were doing was going back and getting one of the laws, circumcision, and bringing it forward and trying to bind that. We see the same debate in Acts chapter 15. If we go back and try to bind any law from the Old Testament. The Bible says we're fallen from grace. We lose our salvation. Verse 3 says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he's a debtor to do the whole law. What is Paul saying? He's saying if you're going to go back and get just 
just one law from the Old Testament and bring it forward, any one of them, then to be consistent, you're going to have to keep all of that law. Paul's not saying he wants us to go back and keep all of the law. What he's saying is none of the Old Testament law is binding that we're under the New Testament law exclusively. And this passage is saying the consequences of trying to bind part of the Old Testament law is that you lose your salvation. Kevin from Delaware, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Thank you, sir. My question is this. Rightly dividing the Word of God, I think we're doing it right. The Old Testament has to do with the Jewish people. The New Testament has to do with Christians. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Thank you for doing that. So you rightly divide the Word of God. So apparently to me, and my own thoughts, is the Old Testament, even though it's righteous and supplemental for instruction and doctrine, it does not apply to me. Is that correct? That's right. That's the verses we were seeing that there's been a change in the law. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12. That's right. It does not apply is, to you today. Is that the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? That the law applies to the Jewish people only, and the Christians do not have to apply to the Old Testament? Yeah, the New Testament is the law that's binding today, and it's binding upon everybody, Jew or Gentile, no matter what nation you're from, the New Testament law. That's what God expects us to obey to be pleasing to Him. I understand that, I think, but you keep mentioning the word law. I'm not, as, I'm not under the law. The Jewish people are under law. I'm forgiven. Yep. I'm saved by grace, correct? We are saved by grace, but we are also under law. For example, Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we're under the law of Christ. We are saved by grace. That means Jesus died so we can be forgiven of our sins. That doesn't mean that God wants us to live willy-nilly. He still wants us to obey his law, but New Testament law, not Old Testament law, in order to be pleasing to him. Dan from New Mexico, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, hi. Thanks very much for taking my call. It was my privilege uh, some years back to preach through the, through the uh, book of Galatians, as you are. I uh, came across this little poem that I thought I'd share with you and your listeners. It goes like this. Run and do, the law commands, but gives us neither feet or hands. The gospel speaks of better things, bids us fly, gives us wings. Isn't that glorious? Yeah, you know, Dan, I was thinking, we have the gospel, and I'm turning, right. I'm turning to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Here's something a number of people, a lot of preachers, overlook about the gospel. I'm reading 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. It says, God, it's talking about God, it says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we want to avoid being lost, if we want to avoid being punished with everlasting destruction, verse 9, we have to obey the gospel. So you're right, the gospel is very important in contradistinction to the Old Testament law. The gospel is the same as the New Testament law. And verse 8 says we have to obey the gospel to be saved. You follow me, Dan? I hear what you're saying. I would what, I would say it I would say it a little bit differently though the the first command that we have in the New Testament 
destroy is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the big command. And out of that, that belief, our love grows for Christ. And we do those things to please him, which is what you call the law of the New Testament. We do those things to please him out of a, a show of devotion to him. Just That's exactly right, Dan. Dan, we're going to have to go off the air, so I had to, sorry, I uh, had to let you go like that. But, of course, Second Thessalonians 1, verse 8 says we have to obey the gospel to be saved. First Peter one twenty two puts it this way. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. So the very way we purify our souls is obey the truth. We have to, it's not enough just to believe. We have to believe and obey. Jesus said in Mark sixteen sixteen, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you want to have that phone Bible study, you can send me a text or call me on my cell phone. My cell phone number is 256-682-9753. Give me a call or text me if you want to have a phone Bible study with me. Free of charge, of course. 256-682-9753.